Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a podcast from Bright City Church. For more information, visit our website, www.brightcitychurchuk.com or find us on social media at Bright City Church UK. Welcome, welcome everybody to Word Up here at Bright City Church. It's great to be back. Thank you for saying hello and joining us. Hi, Nikki, Andy, Angela, and uh, some of our regular yeah, theologians joining us tonight. Brilliant. And it's great to have uh, Pastor Akin and Ben. So we're picking up again on the book of Revelation, obviously, friends. Um, and during the break in August, I don't know if any of you heard Ben's uh, preach and sharing on the book of Revelation. Wow. I had, uh, I had the, the joy of listening to that even on the holiday. I, um, I listened to it after it, and, and I thought, great job, Ben. You know, it's very inspiring. And uh, hey, with that said, give us a little sort of, um, give us a little summary of maybe where we've got to so far, what's been going on. We, we can all do that. So we're all up to speed. Uh, who wants to kick off? Go on, Ben. You, you gave such a good talk on Revelation the other day. Okay. Well, we I kind of tried to give a you know an overview of what we're doing on Word Up, and that was a uh, difficult to pick out all the little bits. You know, and what what do you focus on? What do you leave out? But basically, you know, we started Revelation, which is the vision of the disciple John uh, when he was imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos. He got got a, a, an amazing vision of, of uh, heaven and uh, Jesus in all his glory after Jesus had uh, come down to earth and, and finished his work and died on the cross. He saw him in his grief and he gave John seven messages, seven churches uh, we looked at. And then there was uh, the vision of the throne room of heaven, which I used uh, as a kind of help to uh, envision worship uh, and you know all the things that go on around the throne all the angelic beings that we looked at, all of the, the creatures. And, uh, and then I took it, I mean, Revelation 6, I think, is where we uh, we see the, the opening of the scroll. And uh, just before that, in Revelation 5, you know, John's in heaven waiting for the scroll to be opened and no one is found who is worthy except yeah. the Lamb of God. And yes. that scroll is opened and, and the theme of rejoicing in heaven is, is striking. It's just amazing. Um, and I drew the thing that we kind of I learned from doing Word Up, really, where prayer, the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is actually a prayer for the king, the kingdom of heaven to come. Yes. And for that to come, the judgments have to be poured out, which is what where we are, you know, what, what we're witnessing as we go through Revelation. Good. Yeah, that's great. So we we then going through, didn't we? We. The, the Lamb of God was worthy to open the, the scroll and, and, and to allow the full passage of God's um, final judgment, if you like, on the earth and his restoration and the bringing of the kingdom. And then we saw the opening of the seals first, moving into the uh, sounding then of the trumpets, the seals, trumpets, and there's going to be the pouring out of the the bowls or the vials. Now we're coming towards the end of the trumpets at the moment. Is anything? Uh, what, what what do you remember of the seals, uh, Pastor Akin? You know the, the the beginning judgments, if you like. Not 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 a lot. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, well, 
I, I think for for me, what what I have um, and um, hopefully that that's that's something that that that's coming across is that mm. the Book of Revelation, as um, you, you know, um, it might seem to be a, quite a complex book with with, with the visions and the things that um, you know the Apostle John is uh, being shown about what's to come. But the, the reoccurring theme, uh, theme for me has been that, you know, in, in spite of all the things, you know, the seals are being broken, you know, that the, the, the outpouring of God's judgment, the response of people, and that God remains in control of, of everything that's taking place. And even from, uh, you know, the, the beginning when we're, we're looking at, um, you know, the Lord speaking to the churches, you know, there isn't anything uh, that's taken him by surprise. And, that, and that's one thing for me, that I think is, is is quite key for us, even even the times that we're living in now, that things might seem quite chaotic and uncertain, but there is this, that certainty of of God being in control of everything, and very much mm-hmm. like um, you know what Benny said when we're praying and we're saying, Lord, let Your kingdom come, let Your will be done. That mm-hmm. in joining in that prayer, in making that prayer, we are aligning ourselves to the fact that you know God is in control of everything, even though it might not seem that way to us. But that he he still remains in control, and that is even a it's it's, it's like it's a prayer of faith, it's a statement of faith on our behalf to say that even though we, and as we and as we're going to see, hopefully we come towards the end of of um you know chapter eleven, we can see the great declaration that's been made in heaven as well yeah. that uh, you know the kingdoms of this earth have become the kingdoms of our God, and and we're we're a part of that, even yeah. though like I said, we might look at our own personal lives, our circumstances, what's going on around us, it might, it might seem like that, but we actually we are a part of this this the kingdoms of this world becoming yes. the kingdoms of our god Amen. we are Amen. called to partner with god in seeing the fulfillment of that yeah. and um while you know we spoke about the the great and and also the terrible day of the lord you know great for those who have faith in god and who are who are you know expecting and looking forward to that day but terrible to those mm. who oppose god and don't want him to rule over them and yeah. so uh, you know we we can take solace in that and encouragement Amen. in that that yeah. you know what we're, we're like you said we're we're on the winning side we're on yes. the winning team That's and we right. should encu- yeah. be encouraged in ourselves and encourage one another as uh, you know these these um, these days they, they might unfold even in our lifetime we don't we don't know so uh, but, yes. but whatever it is whether whether it is in our lifetime or not we should mm. take an encouragement from this that the fact that remains that God is in control of everything that's taking place and even okay. we're going to see about these if we our witnesses today the yes, two witnesses that's right yeah that you know it was only when they had finished their yes. testimony when they had finished their work yeah. that it, it again it appeared as though the enemy had you know had um yeah. you know had cut their life short but that as we will see that's not that's not the yeah. case as well you know he remains in control at all times and that's that's a great uh, for me it's a great encouragement for us all as believers in christ that god always mm-hmm has been and always will be in control. Yeah, picking up on chapter 11 where we were last time, we were looking at the the two witnesses. So, yeah, it says um, that God would give power, will give power to these two witnesses who will prophesy for, you know, it, it stresses this, um, this length of one, well, three and a half years it is, and it's depicted yes. as 42 months, yeah. 1,260 days, very specific time of three and a half years and we, we yes. looked at that last time and it says that um you know they they're given this power to well they shut up the rainfall uh and they also release these um you know certain kind of plagues it's almost like a wake-up call and they are witnesses 
and and they are protected supernaturally by God. It seems that, um, you know, from what they're witnessing and what they're doing, you know, people hate them, people want to kill them, but they're unable to kill them. They're sort of like these superheroes almost and, um, you know, indestructible sort of thing. We remember those and uh, it, it, it's after the three and a half years. And then we, we looked at who they might be. Are they people who've been on the earth before? And uh, very kind of good candidates are Elijah, we heard, because um, we saw that, you know, when we look back in Scripture, Elijah was taken up. He didn't die. And during the transfiguration of Jesus, there was Elijah again with Jesus there, it seems like. And, and there are references to Elijah coming again, um, you know, before the, the, the great and terrible day, if you like. And so that's one of the uh, and also that, that kind of I think I've already said that holding back the rain for three and a half years, just like Elijah himself did. Who's the other person? Anyone want to comment on who that might be? I know we've talked about this already. Well, it, it, Moses is the the best candidate that I came across. Yeah. Um, because of the fact that they can turn the water to blood, I think it says in there, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, they did. There were suggestions about it being Enoch, um, but I remember last time when we were kind of speculating. Um, that uh, it fit some of the Jewish uh, kind of expectations about uh, I'll come uh, like for instance John the Baptist comes in the spirit and power of Elijah um, and then yes, it, it, references right. with references with Moses as well that a, um, the prophet would return um, yes and the fact the transfiguration has Moses and Elijah Moses speaking and Elijah. to Jesus yeah uh, preparing him for his for his his death and. Uh, maybe the ending of the old law uh, to usher in the new, all those kind of mm. things. Um, those are the most popular candidates, Moses and Elijah. Great, great. Thank you. I'm going to pick up on the, the now reading the, the verses from where um, where the beast comes up, it says, to, to actually uh, kill these witnesses. Now, when they have finished their testimony, that's the two witnesses, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them, overpower and kill them. Their bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, men from every people, tribe and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. The, the inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and celebrate by sending each other gifts because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. But after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them. They stood on their feet and terror struck those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a, in a cloud while their enemies looked down, looked on. At the very hour, at that very hour, there was a severe earthquake and a tenth of the city collapsed. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake and the survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe has passed. The third woe is coming soon. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, 
The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on the throne before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you've taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and your saints and those who revere your name, both small and great, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened and within his temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant and there came flashes of lightning, rumbles, peals of thunder and an earthquake and a great hailstorm. Right, so, yeah, we've got this uh, that we did look at last time, but just uh, recounting it again, where this, uh, it says, up from the abyss, uh, the beast came up from the abyss to attack them. We heard of the the abyss being opened and uh, Apollyon coming out. You know, it was just a picture of Satan, but it seems like this is the Antichrist, um, you know, sort of, possessed by Satan himself and he alone has power and he kills these two witnesses and their bodies are left lying in the street um so they're not they're not buried they're left for three days Pastor Akin do you want to pick up on what's yes. happening with these two yes absolutely I think the, the first thing again just to reiterate this is it, it does say in verse seven it says now when they finish their testimony and so it, it's not it's not a case of, you know, this this beast arising and, and then cutting short the work that God wanted them to do. And that, that's not the case at all. It was only when they had completed the, the, the work that God wanted them to do yeah. that this beast arises and he's and he's actually able to kill them. So 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 once again, we, we it's it, it's very much like in the case of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ, if you like, when. You know, he was uh, he was crucified and, and uh, there might have been some sort of uh, misunderstanding. Maybe the enemy thought that, you know, I, I've actually conquered the son of God and, um, you know, I, I've, I've won. But what actually he, he did is that because the, the Lord himself said on the cross, he said it is finished. He finished the work that he came to do. And it's exactly the same thing with these two witnesses as well. They finished the work mm. that they had that they had been sent to do. And then yes. the enemy. Uh, rises up and and uh, and slaughters them. Um, one of the things that I just came across there was uh, again is is about this the, the bodies. Why why were the bodies left? Um, mm. You know yes, they were they were they were refused the a burial and they were just mm. left for the, for the, for everyone to gaze upon and, and everyone to see. And uh, you know the things that just came up there was like um, it was the the enemy. It's it's like the enemy's way of trying to humiliate these as witnesses. And yeah. uh, there was a reference to, to the Lord as well, the way that he was crucified on the cross. It was the same thing. And, um, you know, it's almost like, you know, I, I think I came across one was saying that to the, you know, the enemy doesn't really, hasn't really, hadn't learned from what had happened um, at the yeah. crucifixion that, that, you know, that wasn't the end. When he felt that the Lord had died, that wasn't the end. And we, we see here as well that when these two witnesses had been um, killed by the enemy, that wasn't the end. It didn't end there. That wasn't where the end was. But it's almost as though, you know, uh, God allows, you know, gives the enemy as much rope so that he can actually, you know, 
uh, out, out, you know, overdo things and, um, you know, overstep yes. the boundaries in thinking that, yeah, look, I've actually won and, um, you know, I'm going to show everybody that how great and how powerful I am and, and I've actually destroyed these two witnesses. But actually, when when we, as, as we're reading on, we, when we see that they're actually raised back to life again, it's almost yeah. like, you know, the, you know, you, that victory, that so-called victory that you thought you had has actually been taken from you. And now again, you want to see that God is the one who is in control of everything and he's the one who's on, on the throne and he's the one who's orchestrating everything. And so um, yeah. in this, again, we see that God is, is in control. And um, I think one of the things that we, we see as well is, is the reaction of the people to the, um, you know, the death of these two witnesses, because it says that they were actually rejoicing, weren't they? And they were sending gifts to one another. And uh, they, they said that so these the prophets that they tormented those who dwell on the earth and i think we mentioned that was oh, like um, you know in spite of all the things of all of the you know the judgments of god and all, all of the the warnings that had come that people's hearts were being hardened against god and rather than repent which is which is which is always god's you know that's what god is looking for when when even when in, mm-hmm. in in his judgments he's still looking for repentance yes. he's looking for people to turn to him but the people's hearts were so hardened to the fact that <clears throat> they saw the the truth as being a, a torment to them. They, they preferred to live in, in deception. They preferred to live in lies and to live in sin. So that when, the, when they were, the prophets were challenging them, you know, to turn back to God, they, they refused. And that you saw this as a torment. And uh, so when the witnesses apparently had died, they were, they was a, there was a rejoicing. And this, this, is, this is that weird thing we see in the Bible when in the last days, that people will not only do things that are evil in the sight of God, but they will even approve of those things. And they will say, you know, evil is, is good. And good is evil and we, we can see this manifested here in, in this in this account of how the people responded to the death of these witnesses yes if you think of you know these witnesses very unusual strange pow- powerfully endued by god witnesses you know god will always have a witness and right in the very last days of these things happening you know right in the middle of it there's the most powerful witness of the gospel. We don't know what they're going to be saying, but you think of three and a half years of constant and persistent, you know, saying preaching of the gospel with huge signs and wonders affecting, you know, certainly J- Jerusalem, maybe maybe the the whole world. Well, you know, I'm talking about the the the, the plagues and things. It's interesting that they are in Jerusalem. It's like the witnesses to the Jewish people. And, um, you know, it's it's we, we see throughout, you know, God brought his his revelation to the Jewish people, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile salvation. Here we have again, you know, that final strong, strong witness right in the streets of Jerusalem to Jerusalem, to the Jewish people. And yet it's still they, it seems, you know, reject him by by, by uh, many of them anyway. And, and they. To leave a body unburied, you know, for the Jewish people is a, is a great sort of insult. You know, the law required that they were buried on the same day. You know, to have dead bodies in the sort of um, in the town is is an anathema to God and anathema to God's people as well. So that's quite interesting there. But yeah, Ben, what what about um, any any comments on this particular scene of the 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 death of them and their resurrection and what was going on? Well, there's um, several different like interpretations of, like we say, of who these two witnesses are. And then there's several interpretations of the significance of their, um, their resurrection. 
One was that uh, when they're, they're resurrected and the people start, um, the ones who didn't die in the earthquake, start giving glory to God. Yes. Some say that this is symbolic, like you were saying, of, of salvation of the Jews at that time. That the Jews come in because of that, they've seen you know the resurrection of, of uh, these witnesses. Another one was that um, that it was kind of a because they're compelled by terror. It's kind of like a fickle turning to God. Just in contrast with uh, when the sixth seal is opened back in uh, Revelation six, you get people running and hiding from God instead of turning to Him. These because of the terror that they're witnessing. These people are just saying yes you know, to escape further affliction. So there was some kind of split yeah. uh, b- between the two. But well, that, That's the- a great point, actually, Ben. Yeah, it coming to, you know, this verse where there's that great earthquake, 7,000 people are killed, you know, in the city. It seems like tenth of the city of Jerusalem collapses. And it says, the survivors gave glory to the God of heaven. Like you said, good great point does that mean that you know the rest of the jewish people sort of in jerusalem yeah gave glory to to god and and turned to him yeah could well be and again again one of the one of the things was because the two witnesses well as we'll see they kind of get resurrected and taken to heaven yeah again it was like is this the rapture is this where the church gets taken into heaven so that was another thing that kind of came up lots lots in this bit and sure enough in chapter 12 where it's like okay there's so many signs and symbols and interpretations you know do what you know how do how do we kind of understand this but yeah the fact they're resurrected and taken into heaven and maybe symbolic of the church or maybe symbolic of the jews you know is it again is it the rapture yeah. uh where where they're taken into heaven off the earth but um i don't know if you're going to just mention the end where it talks about the second why we've passed Yes, so now coming into that, yeah, yeah, you carry on with that. Yeah, so now it's saying that the seventh angel sounded the trumpet. Oh, sorry, the second woe has passed. The third is coming soon. Then we're going into this sort of, again, another heavenly interlude. And uh, we've seen, you know, a good couple before that in between these times of, of, of judgment and releasing. We've seen some quiet heavenly interludes. And now we're coming in. This is quite a sort of, a jubilant, worshipping, noisy, heavenly interlude. I mean, we've seen both before, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Go on, Ben. What were you going to say about that? I was just saying about the. It, it, I've, I've got kind of um, it, when it's mentioned the second woe, I was thinking, well, when was the first woe then? And what is the? You know, we've got seven churches, seven seals, seven trumpets, and now you're talking about a second woe. And yeah, there were the three, three woes. Woe, 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 wasn't there from the eagle? Yeah. And you're like, when they say in the Old Testament, like the angels cry, holy, 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 and people say, whoa, 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 and it's an emphasis on how kind of holy, holy, holy God is, or how terrible, terrible, terrible things are. And I think, well, what was the first woe then? And I kind of tracked back through Revelation, and uh, the first woe seemed to be when the the fifth trumpet was sounded, and... uh, an angel opens the abyss. It's when that abyss is opened and all those yes. mutant locusts come out. Um, the second woe is when the, the the four bound angels are unleashed to kill a, a third of the the people who are not um, are not Christians, mm. uh, people you know, unmarked mankind basically. Um, and then the third woe, as as we'll see, it is is when the seventh trumpet is sounded and 
you know, as we go on into Revelation 12 and following, all of that will be the third woe. Like it's, they get worse and worse as, as things come. Yes. But it's interesting how the you know things are numbered, like seven being a perfect number of um, seven seals, seven trumpets, and there'll be seven bowls. But like the, the you know the three woes, and I, for me, it's kind of I guess a marker in Revelation where you can kind of start thinking, oh, this is happening when the seventh seal is opened, or this is happening when the fifth trumpet is blown, or something. Mm. Um, it, something of a kind of marker, um, but all symbolic, you know. Of, of the, the judgments that are being poured out uh, that we're reading about. Um, and as yes. we see, like, the seventh, the, uh, as we said before, you know, the, the seventh, like the, when the seventh seal is opened, it, it then kind of relates to the seven trumpets that are contained in the seventh seal. When the seventh trumpet is opened, the seven bowls of wrath that are going to be poured out are signaled by that seventh trumpet. So it's yes. like a, one of those Russian dolls that when you open one thing, the Good, good, good. Yes, and the symbolism we've had the three and a half, three and a half. We had the three and a half years of the witnesses, the three and a half days that they were um lying in the street. And three and a half seems to be uh, symbolic of incomplete. You've got seven is perfection and complete. Three and a half it's almost suggesting there's more to come. It's incomplete. That's uh, something I was reading as well. Good, good, good. So, right, we're coming then into this, again, this picture in heaven. Each time it's almost what's going on on the earth. And every now and again, we're brought up and we see the heavenly vista of, of you know, what's happening in heaven. And so up in heaven, uh, we, we hear this songs actually the first song is uh there was loud voices in heaven the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our lord and of his christ and he will reign forever and ever and then it says and the so that's the first and we know uh and i think it you referred messiah. to it yeah you referred to it didn't you ben the messiah <laughs> handles messiah yes, only at your instigation oh, i was like <laughs> yeah. pastor ian loves the messiah uh, that, that particular <laughs> that refrain there i can hear it now you know, as it's going into, oh, it's, it, it makes me tingle. We've uh, made a yeah, fan out of Anne. Anne Clark has gone, uh, she's become a fan of the Messiah through through our mentionings of it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll promote Handel. Um, and it's yeah, just there's an incredible story up. about how he wrote it. Did you, you've heard about it. I think I shared it one Christmas. You know, he, he just locked himself away in a basement. People were worried he wasn't eating or drinking. He was absolutely overcome with the emotion of what God was, if you like, revealing as he wrote it, putting all these messianic scriptures together. And, and the whole thing was completed in, you know, a num short number of days. And uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, wonderful. So interestingly, and we are doing a series. We've started looking at the kingdom of God. And, and here we have the absolute coming of the kingdom of God to the earth. And, um, you know, the kingdom has finally come. It's become the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our God. And I think, were you referring to it, either Ben or Pastor Akin about the Lord's Prayer? You know, here, the, the culmination of the prayers of the saints throughout, the, you know, your kingdom come. On earth, yeah. as it is in heaven, here it yeah. is. It says it has become, 
I, I wonder why, can I ask, Pastor Akin, you know, any thoughts anyway on anything? You don't have to answer this question, but I asked the question, you know, it's saying it has come, it's now come, and, and yet there's still quite a bit to play out, as we know, isn't there? Um, wh why are they saying it is now, it is now come? Just a, a little question. But... Yes. I, 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 again, I think it, it, it all goes back to the the fact that, you know, we're, we're saying that you know, God is in control of everything. And I think many, many times we, uh, you know, here we, 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 we look at the circumstances and, and the situations here on earth. And, uh, you know, that's what we, we see as being the, if you like, the reality. It's, it's a bit like, um, I believe it was Elijah um, when... Um, you know, I think it was Elijah rather than Elisha when he was, he had this armies were surrounding him and, uh, you know, his servant was quite worried. And, uh, you know, he asked, he said, Lord, just open the eyes of the servant. I think it was Gehazi. And when the Lord opened his eyes, he suddenly realized that the armies of the Lord that surrounded that those physical armies that he could see, they vastly outnumbered that army. And so it's, it's this thing that's why, I, you know, in the Lord's prayer, the Lord says, let thy, thy kingdom come. They will yeah. be done. The things that have already been established in heaven, and they're, they're you know, they're, it's it's like they, they're they're established in heaven first yes. before we actually see Good. the manifestation here on the earth. Yes. And so while on the earth, like you said, there were some things that hadn't yet uh, played out, but as far as heaven was concerned, those kingdoms they now belonged to 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 the Lord. You know, it, it was established, and like, so now it was just a case of what has already been established in heaven was going to be established on the earth as well. Yeah. And so it, it, it's, again, that, that whole thing where, you, you know, um, the, the, the apostle has received that revelation. So he's speaking about the things that, you know, God is showing. These are the things that are going to happen, regardless of what the situation that he was in personally or what was going on in the world at this time. These things, God had spoken, they were going to happen. Just, just like the yeah. foretelling of the Messiah yeah. coming, you know, in, in all those years when the, you know, the, the, the nation of Israel were being, sub, you know, uh, under uh, subjection from other ruling powers, you know, that God had spoken into that to say, even even right from the beginning in the Garden of Eden, God had spoken about this coming Messiah, and, and He kept on speaking about the Messiah throughout history, and uh, and it's, and and very much the same. Just coming coming back to what we're talking about here, mm. even though on the earth they were not seeing the uh, the manifestation of Jesus being the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But as far as heaven was concerned, that at that particular point in time, it has taken place. And now it was just a matter of time before there was going to be a manifestation of that on, on the earth. Yeah, thank the you. The declarations of faith. Yes, yes, uh, yes, very much so, yeah. And it's interesting we're doing this series, uh, and I, I started the first one, which says, my kingdom is not of this world, which is what Jesus said. And we're part of that kingdom as well, of course, as, as being in him. And yet there, we can see here this coming a day where the kingdom will be of this world and, and in this world and ruling and governing this world. And here it is. It's arrived. And uh, and then we see the, the 24 elders also uh, worshipping and saying, singing, we give thanks to the Lord our God, the one who is. Interestingly, it says the one who is and who was because you have taken. It does not say the one who is and who was and who is to come. So there's no more is to come. He has come. He's now here. The kingdom of God has arrived. The king has arrived. There's no more is coming we saw earlier in Revelation, you know, the letters to the churches, the one who is to come. But here we've got to a place. He has 
At last he has come. The king has arrived. He's taken his place on the throne. And there's this awesome celebration and worship. He And it says, you've, you're great, you've taken your great power. You've begun to reign. So, you know, be inspired. This is coming. This is around the corner. This is nearly here. The, the reigning of the king. And we're the subjects in the kingdom. We are the... the well, we're the, the rulers in the kingdom, um, aren't we? <laughs> you know, we will rule and reign. We will rule over cities, over, you know, great areas. Uh, those And those who have been faithful will be given more. And uh, those who have been faithful will little, will be given much. We'll rule and reign with him. This is, yeah. you know, isn't this exciting? Yes, so I just want to say, Pastor Ian, just one, one thing here to, to encourage us all as well, especially when it comes to prayers. I think we, we've, we've um, I can't, I just don't remember what chapter we, we, we read uh, previously, how the, the prayers of the saints, um, that they were, uh, they're coming to the presence of the Lord. And I think yeah. we, 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 uh, we, 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 we read that previously. And um, now when it's talking about, like you, like you said here, um, that the, the nations were angry and your wrath has come and the time, uh, the time of the dead that they should be judged uh, they should reward your servants that's us the prophets and the saints that's us and those uh, who bear your name small and great um, and should destroy those who destroy the earth so it's like um, you know I was I was reading it in one of those commentaries about uh, he was encouraging prayer really believers to, to 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 come together you know to pray because he was saying that um, you know it, this is this what we're reading about yes, here, yes. this comes through uh, a, a, also a partnership of the saints praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Yes. And then various different uh, situations where we come together, we meet, whether it's our own personal prayer times or when we come together, just like at, um, you know, make room. Yes. Or just like when we have those extended times of praise yeah. and worship and prayer, that God begins to release revelation the same way that he's releasing revelation to the apostle John here. Yeah. He releases revelation and the saints begin to pray in accordance with the will of God in, in, in those situations that are taking place currently now. And they begin to, to pray, you know, they're praying, they're asking for God's wisdom, they're praying for God's judgment to come. And there yeah. is going to, like you rightly said, there is going to be a time. Sometimes it seems as though we're praying to certain things. Maybe there are certain, uh, I'm just using this as an example, political yeah. regimes or certain situations where it seems as though Christians have been praying, but nothing has really actually changed. Those, you know, regimes are still there. Those situations still exist. But there is going to come a time when they, God will judge. He, he, no one is getting away with anything. Those who are on, on the Lord's side and who are praying in accordance with his will, who are trusting him, who are believing in him, like you've just said, they're going to be rewards for them. You know, whether we know who they are now or not, it doesn't matter. They have been faithful to the call of God on their lives. They, there's, it says here there's going to be rewards for them. But, but likewise, those who have resisted God's, um, you know, his mercy, they've resisted his judgment, they've resisted, you know, his role, everything. They've just been resisting and resisting and resisting. You know, there is a warning here that it says those who destroy the earth are going to be destroyed. So our yes. prayers is I think it's an encouragement for us that we should we should be encouraged to, you know, sometimes we might not feel that we have, I, I don't know what it is, financial power or political power, whatever it is. Mm. But, you know, like you've rightly said, as we said earlier, the kingdom that we're talking about is not it's not this kingdom of the, uh, of the earth. Right. Yes, it's yes. the heavenly kingdom, mm. just like Jesus said when he was before Pilate and he was talking, he said, don't you know, realize I have the power 
you know, yes. to you know, to set you free or to not. And he said, without my father, you would have no power. So that he was right. telling him that power is not yours. It's it's, it's mm. only come from my father. And that is, and it's his kingdom. It's his will. It's his plan. And it's his purpose that will always prevail. And that uh, should be an encouragement to us as well with our prayer lives. That come on, let's, as you said, Pastor Saints, let's get together. Let's come out. Let's pray because as we're praying this is this is partnership with god what's going to yes. happen it is it's written here it is it's going to happen Amen. and we want to partner mm. with him now that's mm. wonderful and it's great um very pertinent as we go into a week of prayer and f with fasting you know praying that the his kingdom come that's uh wonderful to be reminded of that thanks pastor akin and here we see the judgment as well. And we see the vindication and the rewarding of the saints, as you've referred to. Remember, we, we saw, didn't we, in another heavenly picture, the saints crying out, those who'd been martyred during the tribulation. And they were saying, when will you avenge our blood? When, when, when? And here we are. It says, um, judging the dead for rewarding your saints, the the your servants, the prophets, and your saints, and those who reverence your name. Here it comes. Here comes the rewards. Here comes, you know, you can be sure that you will receive your reward. You know, God is faithful. And coming on to the, it finishes with this, then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant, and there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake and a great hailstorm. What do we make of this um, this picture of a temple in heaven and the Ark of the Covenant there? Um, ben, uh, your turn. <laughs> this is this is what uh, in Exodus 25, this is what Moses and Israelites made copies of, earthly copies of. That whole thing where they yes. put the temple and the tabernacle together, it, it's, it says in Hebrews that these were pictures of heavenly things. So yes. now we see Good. the real deal. This is mm. the real thing. Uh, it struck me as well that we're seeing the Ark of the Covenant. So it's a heavenly thing, but the Ark of the Covenant was was what held the Ten Commandments. Yeah, uh, and like the the bud that um, the Aaron's yes. rod, that kind of Very stuff. Cool. And it speaks yeah. of. The, the covenant uh, of something that was agreed with heaven and earth and yes, men, you know, yes, believers. Amen. And so this awesome scene that we're seeing yeah. uh, with this, you know, picture of, of a co covenant um, between God and man is, is in heaven, you know, to again stress the value of what that God places on that relationship between yes. heaven and earth. Yes. You know, this this amazing sight is is a symbol of, of agreement when Absolutely. God and man come yes. together and the way that he wants, you know, relationship with us, you know, as people. And it, it, it seems, doesn't he, as as he's bringing this this vindication, the kingdom has come. He's reminding, you know, he's un revealing again, hey, remember the covenant, remember my promises. He's sort of bringing to mind, like you said, the the promises the, the, the of, of he's made. Um, yeah, because the real Ark of the Covenant, you know, what happened to it? It seems that 600 BC, when the um, is it the uh, Babylonians came and they destroyed the temple, they they took away the saints. It was at that point that the the Ark of the Covenant was never seen again. And so from then on, if you think right through in Jesus's time, when Jesus was here, the temple was there. 
inside the Holy of Holies was, was empty. There was no Ark of the Covenant there. I heard the Nazis found it and then uh, Dr. Jones apparently locked it away in a warehouse after some incident in the Middle East. But um... Yes, yes, I saw that as well. It's... <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Now remind us the name of the film. Indiana Jones it, and the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, yes. yes. Uh, it's good to have the Bible references. <laughs> no, I tell you what, no wonder all those, those Nazis died. None of them were Levites. You know, they tried to touch the Ark of God. So it's just going to, yes. you know, it was inevitable. Well spotted. Great. And then we've got again the, the, the lightning the rumbling, the thunder, the earthquake, hailstorm. It kind of finishes with that. When I say finishes, friends, we've got to remember that the chapters and verses were put in, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years later on. We, we, we don't really, as we read the scriptures, you know, to say that the chapter finishes with that or the scene finishes with that is not really accurate. But anyway, we, we, we come to this. Why the why the lightning, the the thunder, the earthquake, the hailstorm? Any thoughts on that as we finish for tonight, Pastor Ackett? Just just something I picked up on something I read. It's almost again like uh, another representation of the great and the, and the terrible day of the Lord. It was great for the saints because um, you know that like we've been talking about God again, once again, is revealing heaven His faithfulness, His covenant to His people. He's faithful to keep His promises. So great for the saints and for those who are faithful to the Lord. But on the other hand, the terrible things are what we're seeing here, that the lightning, the, yes. uh, the, the earthquakes, the hell, you know, that's another sign again, you know, God's righteousness He's rewarding yes. his saints. But then for those who stubbornly refuse, um, you know, to accept him, to turn back to him, there's still that this is this is uh, it's like a prelude of things to come, you know, with, with all Very these. Much so, yes, you know. it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And as we finish, friends, you know, any one of us, you can know God as your friend. You can know God as your father maker um, who, who loves you and wants to know you. And all fear is then taken away from you. In fact, um, even in, in God's own word, he says that my perfect love drives out all fear all fear and so when we think of this the fear of god yes it speaks of you know that reverent respect of the lord which continues but fear of judgment is removed forever from your life and uh, and i i can testify to that you know when i became a christian at the age of 24 you know one of the first things i experienced was just that freedom from fear being lifted off me fear of the future i knew that I would never be alone again. God had revealed himself to me in his love. And I, I, I kind of sensed, even though I didn't know the scripture, that that, you know, all accepting, beautiful love would never reject me again, uh, would never reject me rather. So just as an encouragement to you, if you've been tuned in or listening on the podcast or watching this as a recorded message you know, today is the day that you can know the living God by just saying, Heavenly Father, would you reveal yourself to me today? I choose you through faith in your son, Jesus Christ, and um, and, and you will know the love of God. He will come into your life and you need never fear again. Amen. Well, we're up and running again, gents. Here we go um, from... 
from here to eternity, as, uh, <laughs> as, right. as Buzz Lightyear yeah. would say. <laughs> and I was watching Buzz Lightyear with my grandson over the summer holidays. That's probably where the references come from. So, bless you, folks. And thanks, Ben and Pastrakin. God bless you. See you soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye.